Welcome to The Porch, an online community of believers committed to restoring the priesthood of the believer and regaining the world-shaking influence of the early church. The church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire of the upper room still burns. This is where we get back to basics, the red-letter basics, by examining the Word of God and the example of the Book of Acts Church to discover how the early church served the Lord. In doing so, we discover the church the Lord intended and not the one that man created. The Porch on the Air since March of 2010 can only be heard on Firefall Talk Radio, which is a part of the Firefall Media Group. We're glad you're with us. To reach us click the contact button on the Firefall Talk Radio homepage at firefalltalkradio.com. If you want to support what we do there are ways to do that starting with the PayPal link at the bottom of the homepage. You can also use the Venmo app, which is easier to use and has fewer fees, where we can be found under at Firefall Media Group. One word. Uppercase on FMG. Thank you to each and every one of you who support what we do. We appreciate your support and encouragement. Give as the Lord leads. And now, to the Bible study with Richard Grund. We're glad you're with us. To reach us click the contact button on the Firefall Talk Radio homepage at firefalltalkradio.com. If you want to support what we do there are ways to do that starting with the PayPal link at the bottom of the homepage. You can also use the Venmo app, which is easier to use and has fewer fees, where we can be found under at Firefall Media Group. One word. Uppercase on FMG. Thank you to each and every one of you who support what we do. We appreciate your support and encouragement. Give as the Lord leads. And now, to the Bible study with Richard Grund. Well... Here we are once again having technical difficulties. Hopefully, we are getting it done. I'm Richard Grun. Welcome to the porch. Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Meditate on them. Praise Him. We enter His court with praise. We don't pray. We don't petition. We don't do anything until we praise Him. So I praise Him for my home, for my family, um, sons, daughter-in-laws, uh, Grandsons, of course, I praise him for my wife because that's where it all begins with her and I. Pretty soon that'll be a 41 year journey. Uh, praise him for our furry kids and all of our possessions. Praise him for his provision and protection over all of us, for the dreams and the visions, living out Joel 2.28. I praise him for his healing virtues. I praise him for favor and revelation, for being a new creation, living in these prophetic times. I praise him for the signs he's giving us to be ready for his return. 
So let's get ready. Now let's pray. We start out with Psalm 122, verse 6. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. For America, as I've said each week, may God shed his grace on us. We sorely need it. To bless our leadership, to do whatever needs to be done to get us back into right relationship with him. I pray for the fatherless, the widows, the persecuted and the martyred, the innocents and those who are victims of injustice. I pray against the slaughter of the innocents in and out of the womb, animal and human, for missing and exploited children, the victims of human trafficking, sex trafficking, a diabolical, satanic endeavor. Pray for our brothers and sisters around the world being slaughtered and persecuted for their faith, that growing religious persecution, the anti-Semitism, the boldness of the spirit of the Antichrist, growing, increasing, as the time gets closer for what he believes will be his personal unveiling. And I pray that you are joining with me to stand against that. I pray for divine wholeness, health, and continued healing as we get back to our divine design. For healing for all of those who are injured or sick right now, be healed. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, be healed. I pray for protection, for inspiration, for the remnant to wake up, rise up, and answer the call to action. If you've been blessed, be a blessing. If you know somebody who's been blessed, tell them to be a blessing. We could certainly use it. Firefall, SRT, the porch, everything that we have been called to do, unfortunately, in this natural world, needs finances. So join with us in prayer to become highly mobile, to do the kingdom business that he has called us to do. And we pray for our lost family members. Always, always, always pray for the lost family members. Continue to pray for the changes we're making doing the videos, doing everything all at once. It's great. I I am enjoying doing it. But when you're a one-man band doing this all by yourself, it becomes a little difficult. And just before going on the air, we've had some technical problems. Hopefully when this is all done, we're good. Shavuot 2021 starts on sundown, Sunday, May 16th, and ends the two-day holiday on sundown, Tuesday, May 18th, May 16th to the 18th, and then Pentecost Sunday for the church is May 23rd of 2021. The only other praise report prayer request I have is from Kim in Fort Mitchell, and she's saying, please don't stop praying for her friend Bobby. They're moving her to a long-term rehab facility where she'll learn how to walk and everything again. They just got done putting in her feeding tube, and we'll try to wake her up later. She said the tracheotomy went well. Oxygen levels are great. Thank you for all your prayers. So, Father, before we do anything, we're going to pray for Bobby, praying that you will do a miracle for her, praying that you will answer the call and glorify yourself, that you'll do something so miraculous the doctors will know that they had nothing to do with it. We ask that you bless her and her family, give them hope, give them faith. Now, Father, we boldly approach your throne of grace and mercy, saying, Abba, Father, 
Papa God, Daddy, we love you. We thank you. We worship you. We want to serve you. We want to do everything you've called us to do. But most of all, we just want to love on you each and every day. We thank you for Yeshua, for sending him to pay our debt with every drop of his blood. We thank you for loving us when we were unlovable and forgiving us even now when we stumble and fall. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for what you've done, what you're doing, and we thank you for all that you are going to do. The cross, the empty tomb, the upper room, all those things, but even more, how much you love us, the fact that you even consider us. When I spend time with you and we converse, I'm I'm amazed. I'm amazed that you even consider us and that your grace is still amazing. We thank you for sending back the Holy Spirit. We thank you for taking care of us and showing us and teaching us and reminding us of everything Yeshua said. So now, take control. Have your way. Protect the technology. Help us to get this done. Clear our minds. Open our hearts. And empower this word. And I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So, as always, we're going to start out with Matthew 6, verses 9. Through 13. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let your kingdom come, Father. Rule on earth. Rule in our life as it does in heaven. Lead us away from the snares and the temptations of the evil one and the evil one's kingdom. For yours is the kingdom we seek and its power and its glory forever. The kingdom of God, his kingdom, his rule and reign on earth as it is in heaven. Think about that when you say those words. Think about that when you pray, what you're asking him for. Is there sickness in heaven? No. Is there lack in heaven? No. Is there poverty in heaven? No. Is there dysfunction or any of the things we suffer in this world? No. 
And that's why we look forward to it. So what you're asking him is to manifest into your life here and now the rule of heaven. He's building a kingdom in us and with us. And that's what we've been talking about all these weeks, the kingdom of God. And now we're getting into a little bit different perspective that his kingdom authority resides inside of us already through the power of the Holy Spirit. We represent the kingdom of God on earth and we enforce his rule over the enemy. The kingdom of God is one of dominion. If you remember last week, we talked the American Heritage Dictionary definition of dominion, control or the exercise of control, sovereignty, a territory or sphere of influence or control, a realm. Well, let's think about that when we're talking about the kingdom of God. And domination, you remember I mentioned, was control or power over another or others and the exercise of such control or power. Now, for the last two weeks, I presented that to you as to how the enemy can get control over you through sin. Except now, we're going to talk about the dominion of the kingdom of God through us and the domination of the enemy because of that dominion and power. We rule and reign with the Lord. We're no longer ruled over the enemy. We've made a choice not to be victims or victimized. We've made a choice not to be slaves, but to be free. At least I have. I hope you have, too. So his delegated authority gives us dominion, and it allows us to dominate the enemy. See, now we're getting into a whole different perspective, and especially when we're talking about the armor of God. But we're going to go we're going to set this up as we enter in. You live a life in the spirit. Now even right now if you don't think you do, by faith say I live a life in the spirit. Satan no longer has power over you. Even if there are areas of your life that right now he still does, I want you to believe and say by faith Satan has no power over me. But the one thing about the kingdom of God we've touched on, but we really need to understand as we get into the warfare aspect of the kingdom of God, which is what we're talking about, kingdom warfare, is that the kingdom of God is spiritual. It's within us. It's actualized through us. But it has not been manifested in the world as yet. Now, is there scripture to back up my statement? Now, let me, let me go off script here a little bit. Make sure that whatever you believe lines up with the word of God. I hear people say, well, you need to think outside the box. I do. But I don't think outside the book. And I see too many big-name preachers and teachers actually confronted one on social media today 
to verify their statement with chapter and verse, and I've yet to hear back. I don't think I will. I don't think they're going to engage me on this one. What I'm going to show you through Scripture, through the verification of the Word, of what I said, the kingdom of God is real, but it is spiritual and within us, and is not yet manifested on the earth. Go with me to Revelation 11, verses 15 through 19. And this is about the seventh trumpet and the kingdom being proclaimed. And of course we know this is John the Revelator writing. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Messiah. And he shall reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come, because you have taken your great power and reigned. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come and the time of the dead that they should be judged, and that you should reward your servants and the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. Then the temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple. And there were lightnings and noises, thunderings, an earthquake and great hail. See, that scripture is a foreshadowing of the manifested manifested kingdom of God in anticipation of the Lord's return. But it has not happened yet. Remember, John Revelator is in the spirit. He is outside of time. He's being shown things that aren't necessarily in a specific timeline. But when we see things that have not happened yet, and and again, I've got more scripture to back this up, what we're seeing is the future. The kingdom of God on earth manifested corporally, terrestrially, if you will, in this reality, both natural and spiritual, at the return of the Lord. The New King James Study Bible says the praise in Revelation 11 therefore is prophetic in terms of its actualization of the timeline of final events. In spite of the fact that much heavy judgment and suffering must come, these verses anticipate the glory of the coming reign of Messiah on earth. The seventh trumpet results in the establishment of the millennial kingdom of Messiah. The seven vials or bowls listed in Revelation 16.1 are most likely contained in the judgment of the seventh trumpet. They will occur in a very brief period of time at the end of the Great Tribulation. Later on, as we get further into this, I want to talk about tribulation. We've done this before, but it's been a while. But since we're talking about the kingdom of God and the coming of the kingdom of God, we're talking about warfare, we're talking about all these things that affect us in the here and now, you need to understand them. Now go with me to Revelation 12, starting with verse 10. And then I heard a loud voice in heavens 
a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Messiah have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. Again, this has not happened yet. That cannot happen until the church is taken out of the way. The great tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble, is for Israel and the unsaved world. It is not for the church. So, hopefully I've made my case to you that his kingdom is not of this world. And it must be understood in such terms that it's not an earthly political kingdom. A lot of teachers out there want to tell you that it is. They want to tell you that's in effect. They want to tell you about the seven mountains of influence and how we get all those and then he comes back. Sorry, folks, that's not biblical. We rule and reign in a spiritual kingdom. We rule and reign in a supernatural kingdom. And we have a responsibility to that. Now remember what it said, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and that they did not love their lives unto the death. So they overcame him by what? By assuming the victory, the finished work on the cross. That's the blood by the public confession of their faith and the patient endurance even in the face of death. The church's constant posture under the authority of Messiah's cross, the victory by the blood of the Lamb, and your steadfastness to the promise and authority of God's word. That's what your testimony is. Your testimony is to who he is, King of kings and Lord of lords. Your testimony is to sometimes have to remind the enemy of who threw him down, of who defeated him, of who you belong to, who the only begotten Son of God is. You may have to remind them to bend their knee to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This is the key to overcoming. And if you look at the Revelation 11 and 12, we see something, something very jarring. The intensification of the evil works of the kingdom of darkness as the age progresses, as the adversary knows that his time is short. I'm seeing some of that behavior right now. He's not full out. He's not full blown yet. But there are things happening that indicate to me he knows. So the heavenly defeat of Asatan, Satan and the fallen, is followed by reference to his earthly setbacks, the crucifixion, the blood of the Lamb, the, the, the word of their testimony from the witness of believers, the martyrdom of their brethren. All of these events precede the coming of the kingdom of God on earth. Now, we've had the lamb shed, the blood on the cross. We have the empty tomb. 
We don't have those other things yet. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 15, verses 20 through 25. But now Messiah is risen from the dead and has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Messiah all shall be made alive, but each one in his own order. Messiah the firstfruits, which is what Pentecost and Shavuot's about, afterward those who are Messiahs at his coming, then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, and when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. Let's listen to what the Amplified says. After that comes the end, completion. When he hands over the kingdom of God to the Father, after he has made inoperative and abolished every ruler and every authority and every power. Those are supernatural things. For Messiah must reign as king until he has put all enemies under his feet. Two kingdoms, and they are both preparing simultaneously for this time in history. Satan knows, he knows, he knows that the signs are blaring, that this is coming. He may not believe it. He may act like it doesn't bother him. He may act like it's not going to happen, I'm sure, in his deluded, diabolical, narcissistic, psychopathic, evil mind. He doesn't believe it. Because he is a psychopath. He's a sociopath. But he's been preparing for this for thousands of years. With the hope, with the gamble, that it turns out in his favor. Every effort by him and his kingdom is about establishing his kingdom on earth. So that he can rule and reign over humanity as God and be worshipped as God. Well, if there are two kingdoms, wouldn't it make sense that the stronger kingdom will rule and reign? I'll be right, I'll be honest with you. Right now, the kingdom of darkness seems to be in control. I don't like to have to say that. I don't want to have to say that. But I believe that we have the ability to push back, tear down, root up, and do what must be done before the return of the king. So what are we to do? And that's what this is all about. This isn't just to teach you uh, intellectual stuff. This isn't just to enlighten you, um, which, which is good. I want to do that. I'm trying to prepare you. I'm trying to get you ready. I'm trying to make you efficient and secure in your stance in this world. So what should we do? First, 
we need to discern and understand the times. We need to see everything through a spiritual filter. We need to look at what's going on in the world, no matter what it is, through a spiritual mindset. Then we'll understand the natural. And when you understand both, you're ready. Two, we need to know who he is. And if you've been with me for the entirety of the porch, you know that I've harped on that, who he is as Lord, who he is as your Abba Father, who you are in him. Which is the third thing. Know who we are in him. Know who he is, then know who you are in him. Then finally, four, live the kingdom life. Stop living a worldly life. Stop living in accordance to the world and the ways of the world. Measure your life. Look at your life. Is there any part of your life right now that is more worldly than it is kingdom of God? If there is, change it. No matter what it is. Maybe it's the way you eat. Maybe it's the way you raise your family. Maybe it's what you watch. Maybe it's what you listen to. Maybe it's where you go. Measure every part of your life through the filter of the kingdom. But in presenting everything I've said to you, you must agree with me that we are at war. Two kingdoms are at war right now. Two kingdoms in the world are in conflict, preparing for their time. But we must know one thing. Paul said it. Jesus, the Messiah, and him crucified. Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah. Know him to have eternal life. Be born again. Be filled with the Spirit. Because where we're going now does you no good if you're not filled with the Spirit. Does you no good if you don't have the understanding of the Holy Spirit? Makes it a little difficult if you don't have the fruit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit working in you. So last week I read you these scriptures and I'm going to do it again. Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus the Messiah, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Messiah. Ephesians 1, 20 which he worked in Messiah when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Ephesians 2, 6, And raised us up together and made us sit together with him in the heavenly places in Messiah Yeshua. So if I take 1, 3, 1, 20, and 2, 6 of Ephesians, it means we sit in authority with him. We sit in dominion with him. We're not called to sit and do nothing. We're called to sit with him and act with the authority and the dominion that comes from that positional authority. If you haven't listened to that teaching, you need to go back because it applies to this. Now, I've, I've shared this personally with people. I've shared it before in places. And I get answers like, well, that's all well and good, but I, I'm not a warrior. I'm not at war. I don't need to know this. 
Now, the Apostle Paul seems to think otherwise. Ephesians 3.10 To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Okay, made church, made known by the church to who? The principalities and powers in the heavenly places. The Amplified says to the angelic rulers and authority in the heavenly places. How are you going to do that if you don't know? How's that going to be? How's that going to happen if you don't participate? Oh, Richard, that's for you. That's for SRT. That's what you do. Paul is speaking to the collective church. He's speaking to us individually, but he's speaking to the church at large. Now, as, as we're getting this, we're sliding into Ephesians 6. Now, remember what Ephesians 6.12 says, which lines up with Ephesians 3.10. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Where are we positioned? With him in the heavenly places, in eternity, and in authority. So this isn't about generic personal warfare. I've taught that in the past, and it had its place. No, this is about kingdom warfare. This is about preparing for his return. This is about doing what we need to do, get people saved, healed, delivered, destroy the works of the enemy. All right, so let's enter the whole armor of God, Ephesians 6.10. Verses 10 through 20. I'll read it all, and then we'll begin to break it down. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So Paul's final word is to remind believers, reminding us of Hasatan's and his kingdom's opposition. 
to us and to urge them to protect themselves with the whole armor of God. I don't care how old you are. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been saved, how, how long you've not been saved. Now, none of those things matter. You live in a fallen world. Opposition, dangers require protection. Remember, there are two kingdoms at war. I was discussing this with a brother today. Because there are some people out there that still believe spiritual warfare has no place. Direct confrontation has no place. They are very subtly critical of me and what I do with SRT. We were discussing that. And I said, okay, so you're not called to be a warrior. You're living in the jungle. You leave your hut. You go to use the outhouse. Are you just going to wander and act like, no danger. I'm just going to wander in the middle of the night. I'm going to go do this. Or are you going to be aware and alert to the fact that there are predators out there that would love to kill you, love to eat you, tear you apart? Wait, somebody talks about that. I think First Peter talks about a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He got my point. He agreed with me. That even if we don't think that direct active spiritual warfare along the lines of what I do with SRT are vital, everybody should know their place. They should know their authority. Well, let's talk about authority. Matthew 28, verses 18 and 19. And Yeshua came and spoke to them, meaning the disciples, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and remember, I've told you that that is an implied dispensation. That is an implied release. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Oh, wait a second, Lord. Are you telling me I need this authority to go make disciples of people in a fallen world and plunder them from Satan's kingdom? Yeah, that's exactly what he's saying. Well, Satan has authority too. Don't you remember Luke 4, verses 6 and 7, when Hasatan said to Yeshua, all this authority I will give you. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world. He said, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. See, he does have authority. He has a kingdom. His kingdom has some power. Not not greater than ours. Not even anywhere near ours. Still enough to do damage. That's why Paul is encouraging. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He's reminding us to draw our strength from the Lord, from Messiah through the Holy Spirit, and his power, his dunamis. That we're living in a fallen world and we're standing against the evil powers aligned against us. Now, I want to read you a part of the supernatural battle, my book. Ephesus was one of the most paranormal cities of its day. 
the list of supernatural threats in verse 12 reinforces that. If they were going to survive, and they being the church, as a body, they would have to resist the enemy. Before taking them directly into the warfare, he offers a word of encouragement. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. A good leader edifies his troops before sending them into battle. Look at it as an apostolic pep talk. Asking them to resist the demonic principality in Ephesus may have seemed to be a daunting task to them. He was encouraging them to walk in victory. They had authority and the Holy Spirit dunamis power available to them. In other words, there's nothing to be afraid of. You've got this. You're a winner. Wow, that's good stuff. I wonder who wrote that. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Let me say it again. Whatever you're going through right now, whatever's happening in your life, whatever the enemy's doing to you, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And when he says, finally, my brethren, this is not just an individual statement. This is a collective corporate statement. It has corporate implications to the entire church. So how does anybody think that warfare doesn't apply to them? Because they want to think that way. Because they've listened to false teachers. And folks, there's a lot of them out there right now. Be strong or be made strong by the power of the Holy Spirit. It means that passive voice of that statement suggests that we can't do it ourselves. We can only do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Amplified of Ephesians 6.10. In conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Be empowered through your union with him. Draw your strength from him, that strength which his boundless might provides. Somebody listening to me right now is having family problems. Husband or a wife, mother or father. Your children aren't doing what they need to do. Matter of fact, they are following your example. You don't know what to do. You don't know how to fix it. You don't know how to get it back on track. Well, guess what? You can't because you made the mess. But submit to him. Submit to the Holy Spirit. Do whatever he tells you to do. Don't be afraid. Don't be concerned about the kickback and resistance you're going to get. Do what the Word tells you to do. Do what the Lord tells you to do. Be empowered through your union with Him, and your problem will be resolved. Strength from Him, strength from His boundless might provides for us. Again, from the supernatural battle, and I've mentioned this before, dunamis, which in the Greek... um, is what power is, means literal and figurative force, specifically miraculous power. That is, by implication, a miracle in itself. It is ability, abundant, 
mighty power, strength, violent, wonderful work. And then Paul doubles up his message by adding the word might to it. Might, M-I-G-H-T in the Greek, ischus, I-S-C-H-U-S, in case I mispronounced it. Is his force or forcefulness, literally or figuratively, derived from him? It's his ability, his mighty power and strength. So, verse 10 expresses to us the abundant, miraculous power that he has delegated to us, to those who believe in him and are called by his name. This power was dispensed and delegated to the collective church in the upper room, a dispensation that is still in effect today. It hasn't ended, folks. That's why I always state that the book of Acts Church, the the fire of the Holy Spirit, the things they walked in are still ongoing. What kind of a God and Father would have given us that kind of power and authority and then taken it back, knowing that we were living in a fallen world, that until he came would put us in danger? He wouldn't. A loving father wouldn't do that. A loving Lord said, I will not abandon you. He sent the Holy Spirit with his gifts, with his fruit. Holman Bible Dictionary. This is the reminder. If you notice, and some of you may get annoyed with me, I repeat myself. I repeat myself. Yeah, I did that on purpose. I'm trying to get you to get it. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word word of God, by repetition. Power is the ability to act or produce an effect, and it is the possession of authority over others. In our case, it's the delegated authority over the enemy. Why am I not afraid of the enemy? I'm not afraid of Hasatan. I am respectful of his power. I understand what he's capable of, but I'm not afraid of him. I'm not afraid of any of the fallen. I'm not afraid of any of the watchers in the pit. I'm not afraid of their demonic offspring. I'm not afraid of the people that serve them here in this natural world. Because I know who my daddy is. I know who my Abba Father is. I know who my Lord is. And I know he kicked their butt. I also know that the spirit inside of me, the same spirit that raised Yeshua from the dead, is what he used when he spoke them into creation, which is why about 30 years ago I came up with the expression, I have the power of the creator over the creation. Matthew 28, verses 18 and 19, again, Yeshua came and spoke to them, saying, I'm... I'm, Reiterating the delegated authority. I know I read the scripture already. Yeshua came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. I tell you, the Spirit's moving right now. If I fall out, you won't hear anything, but you'll see it on camera. Luke 9.1. Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Luke 10:19. Behold, I give you 
the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. All power and authority over all the power of the enemy. Do we see that? Do we see that in our lives? We know we see it in the Word. I've seen it in this world a lot over the almost 33 years that I've been saved. can't believe it's been that long. It'll be 33 years this October. Go with me to Acts chapter 4. I want to show you something. This is after Peter and John have been arrested for healing the crippled man at the gate beautiful. They've been released from jail. We're going to pick it up at verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them, which was, stop preaching in the name of Jesus. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, Adonai, you are God, you are Hashem, who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and I believe they're talking about both natural and supernatural kings. The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. For truly against your holy servant Yeshua, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Yeshua. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Sharing in all things, now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, great dunamis, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of Adonai, Yeshua. Messiah Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. The Lord gave them a renewal, a renewed surge of the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel, to be bold, to care about one another, to create a family. This is a collective anointing. This is a corporate thing. This is a family thing. We're in this together. This battle that we're in, we're in it together with great power. The apostles gave witness to the resurrection of Adonai Yeshua, and great grace was upon them all. Acts 4.33 says, And with great ability and power. The apostles were continuously testifying 
to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus with great ability and power. That's how we get it done. That's how we build the kingdom of God. That's how we tear down the strongholds. That's how we save people, heal people, deliver people. That's how we plunder Hasatan's kingdom. With dunamis power, mentioned 120 times in the New Testament, must mean something. Power, might, strength, marvelous works, physical power, force, ability, efficacy, energy. In the plural, it's powerful deeds, deeds showing physical power, miraculous, marvelous works. It's literal and figurative force. And by implication, it's a miracle in and of itself. Remember Luke 4.14, after Yeshua was baptized, went into the wilderness and was confronted by Satan. Yeshua went back to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, filled with the power. And the news about him spread throughout the entire region. That dunamis, that power, has been transferred from the throne room, from him, to us on Pentecost. And because he is still alive and the Spirit is still moving and we live and move and have our being in him, that power is continually flowing from the throne room to us no matter who you are. It's available to you. Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, Yeshua of Nazareth, with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. 1 John 3.8, he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the work of the devil. To be like God, we have to do that. To be like the Lord, we have to do that. We have to be about our Father's business, setting the captives free, destroying the works of the enemy. That's kingdom business. It's not about building buildings or personal empires or building a brand. The only brand I want to build is his. The only name I want to lift up is his. The only kingdom I want to build is his. But it takes kingdom authority and kingdom power in this fallen world to do that because there are two kingdoms at war. The kingdom of God versus the kingdom of darkness. And even though we know we've won, we still have to show up and fight because humanity is at stake. Father, I just come to you now literally shaking. from the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would drive this word deep inside your children, that Holy Spirit, you would burn it into their heart, their mind, their soul, and their spirit, that you would open it up, open up their understanding, inspire them to move and act upon these things. Help them to understand their place in the kingdom. I pray that you would protect us as we do this, because we know 
The enemy isn't going to retreat. He's not going to submit or surrender. So protect us with that Psalm 91 covering. Watch over all that is ours, but inspire us and teach us, encourage us. Turn that fire up inside of us. Let us love more. Love you more. Love each other more. Love the lost more. See the world through your eyes. Now I know that there are going to be some who will not accept redemption. And they will not be saved. But show us the ones who will. Let us go and preach the gospel to every creature. Let's set the captives free. Let's tell them about Yeshua. Let's tell them about his love, his blood. Lord, inspire us. Holy Spirit, teach us. Empower us and be with us. And I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. And I pray that you said amen. I pray that you meant it when you said it. That was just the first verse of Ephesians 6 on the armor of God. This is going to be good, folks. I'm really excited about this. I hope you are too. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.